0: Man, I'm excited today to have uh, Jesus in the in house. Amen. Amen. But I'm also excited to have some newfound, um, I'm going to step out on a limb here and say friends. Uh, man, I've gotten to, uh, gotten to be acquainted with uh, uh, Jason Rapert. Um, he's a senator, a four-term sitting senator, still sitting senator in the state of Arkansas, lives in, Green, uh, lives in Conway. Um, just finished a race uh, for lieutenant governor, came in second there. Thank God we have godly people in offices. Amen. Now, his term will be up at the end of the year. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. You're the, the fifth in seniority in, in the GOP, in the Senate, and then you're second in and it's in, in the GOP in the Senate. So um, awesome opportunity for him to be with us today. And uh, I didn't get him to come because he's got that position. We talked about this. When he called, he said, look, I didn't win. I didn't ask you to because you're a sitting senator. I asked you because when I heard what he preached in his message, that he preached Jesus and he preached the very biblical principles that we need to live by, that's why I asked him to come took a while to get, it, get to make this happen. Uh, thanks to Ms. Fonda for reaching out to someone that knew someone that knew someone that knew him. And just, it, it, it's the way it works, amen? amen. And so uh, I want to introduce you. Uh, Senator, uh, evangelist, uh, whatever, it, man, just uh, Jason Raper. Will y'all give him a big Lake Village welcome as he comes?
1: Thank you, Pastor. I'm going to sit this down a minute. Thank you so much for having me, and don't run off here, and uh, it's good to be here with all of you, and it's good to see you You got a balcony in here, that's awesome, yeah, and uh, do y'all sit up there just so he can't get to you, is that the way way this is? (laughs) But it is good to be here in Lake Village, and Pastor, uh, we appreciate it, we got to, how many of you love your pastor? I mean, I, uh, well, I don't know him that long, but I kind of love him already after getting to spend some time last night. But I wanted to say thank you for having me, and I wanted to give you, I've already given you a few things, but I wanted to give you, this is actually one of our Senate coins. These are numbered, uh, and they really didn't get started with these coins in the Arkansas Senate until just a few years ago. And so each coin is numbered. There's not another one like it. It'll ever be made. And, uh, you know, you probably take this in 50 cents and buy you, you know, a cup of coffee somewhere. If they ever do get me, it might be worth a lot. You never know. So... (laughs) But uh, but I wanted to give this to you and tell you we thank you uh, and we look forward to friendship and many years ahead. God bless you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Well, uh, we've we got. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you, and I do have a message that's been burning in my heart that I'm going to deliver. And uh, but I've got a little few special things. And first of all. And I don't know, they've got, they've got a, a microphone up here for me, but I wanted to introduce you to a few things first, and then also I've got a special guest that I want you to say hel- hello to. But um, I, wherever I go, most of the places that have had me before, they always have me bring my violin. So how about having a little violin or fiddle this morning? How about that? Testing one, two, three. How many of you know Ricky Skaggs? I like Ricky Skaggs. Well, I just, we actually, I don't we didn't even talk about this, but I just had Ricky Skaggs over. We did a God and Country concert back uh, just, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago, two months, and Ricky became a friend. I'd never, you know, I've grown up, obviously, if you're into bluegrass music and fiddle music, you know who Ricky Skaggs is. And I, I'm losing this one way or another, so I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, we just keep talking. There you go, there you go, you're live now. But we had actually a little over 500 people showed up uh, at the Pentecostal Church of God campground over near Bologna, Arkansas, and had Ricky Skaggs and Kentucky Thunder that came in. And, uh, and you know, you know I'm just feeling a little bit jumpy here this morning. I might just play you just a little bit of his Amanda Jewel just, just, just for fun. <laughs> but I, I'm going to play you a song. But, but since I mentioned Ricky Skaggs, I don't have my band here with me, Pastor. But, but if I did have my band here with me, this is what you'd get. have to do that sometime. I bring the band and have a little fun with that. But, but Ricky Skaggs, how I met Ricky actually is that in 2013, Arkansas passed the very first heartbeat bill in the United States of America. How many of you even knew that? Yes. Yes. So being a pro-life church, you, you knew Amen. that. I was honored to carry that bill. And a few months after that happened, I actually had a text message that came in with a video. And I opened it up and it was Ricky Skaggs and his fiddle player, Andy Lefwich, Andy's a Grammy Award winning fiddle player, and they just started speaking and said they wanted to thank us for passing the heartbeat bill here in Arkansas. And that led to a friendship that developed, and Ricky has been a great friend to me, came over, did a show with me at UCA several years ago, and then came back over here, and he was trying to get me elected lieutenant governor, And as Pastor said, you know, I've been elected four times to the Arkansas Senate and so grateful for the opportunity to serve. And I made a choice to actually run. And, you know, we were winning the race. And then suddenly, as you know, the dominoes began to fall in Arkansas and shift Tim Griffin around and different ones. And the Attorney General dropped out of the Governor's race into the LG race. Well, that was six months before the election. She had spent $6 million out of the Attorney General's office running public service commercials. And obviously that was just promoting her name. There was no way that any of us could stand with six million dollars that had pumped the name and the information and the ID. There's just no way we could do it. So I want you all to know, see, I was preaching before I ever got into the Senate. And I didn't get elected to lose the identity of who I am in the, in the Lord. I'm saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I was preaching before I went in and I preached while I was there and I'm gonna keep preaching afterwards. And and you see, the first, you know, you you look, you you know, I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, you know, do I run for office? I I don't know if I run or not. He said, you know, I don't want to go out and and, and maybe I lose that race or something. I said, well, if you don't run, you've already lost. You're just choosing to be a loser if you don't run. So don't ever, don't ever, don't ever not do something God's prompting you to do because it might not turn out. Because you know what I found out, brother? As much as people say, well, I guess it was God's will for this or that, you know what? Angels don't vote. People do. Come
2: on. <laughs> so if
1: the church folks is not getting the folks in office that you want to get, it's because probably not enough church folks getting out there and voting. Amen? Yeah, that's, right. well, that's part of the message. I'll move on. Okay. So uh, I, I, I wanted to introduce a few things. The, when you came in today, you saw a banner for the National Association of Christian Lawmakers and I actually helped form that organization. I was actually the founder and president. We never had a, a national association of Christian lawmakers in the history of the country. And I thought that was strange. I mean, we got associations for catfish and for propane, but we don't have one for Christian lawmakers. Wow. And so I began to ask around, you know, why we weren't doing this, why were not Christian elected officials knitted together in a way that we could work together. I mean, they got preacher associations, they got all kinds of associations. Uh, State police here, and by the way, I'm proud to have led the caucus, the Back the Blue Caucus, and we help get a raise for our state police, and we've got a stipend that's coming to these other law enforcement, and I believe we ought to back the blue in the United States of America. In a nation of laws, how are you going to have laws if you don't have law enforcement? And it just so happens two of my cousins, sir, are state troopers. Uh, Rocky Rapert and Ben Rapert are both state troopers right now and got a strong legacy with them, but we do appreciate you. And you know, I got, I got a few months left, I'm going to keep pushing for you. And you know what, I might be more effective when I'm not in the Senate than when I was, because I can get down there writing everybody, you know, <laughs> So, but we, we do back the blue. And so the NACL, I begin to ask the question, why we don't have one of these in place? And, and uh, talk with Governor Mike Huckabee, and I'm proud that he serves on our board. Uh, Governor Huckabee was one of our first National Board of Advisor Members. So Governor Huckabee is on there. Former Congressman Bob McEwen is on there. Tony Perkins of the Research Council. If any of you get any of the Family Research Council from Washington, D.C., their information. Bishop E.W. Jackson. Does anybody know Bishop E.W. Yeah. Jackson? He's on the board uh, with us. We've got some great people. And so long story short, there had never been one. And so I wish I could take more time on that, but I will tell you that today, after we had the charter meeting in August of 2020, we now have 26 elected officials in 26 states that serve as chair of the NACL in their state, and we also have members and supporters in 49 states. And here's what I can tell you. This nation would be better off with more godly leaders in office because ungodly leaders have passed ungodly laws that have led to ungodly things that are taking us down an ungodly road. And if you want to save America, you're going to have to have godly people in office. Amen. And so appreciate you for looking into that. We're having uh, another conference. Our third conference is coming up in Branson, Missouri. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas is going to be a keynote speaker, and we do have Bishop that's coming. Uh, we've got people from all over the, the country coming to Branson, Missouri, June 23rd through the 25th. You can go register at christianlawmakers.com if you wanted to come. Uh, Governor DeSantis has been invited. They're, they had got his confirmation. He's running for re-election in Florida, and so there's 22 million people in Florida. And so he's kind of got a lot on his plate to make sure he wins re-election, but he might be able to come with us, but they've told us he's going to do a video, if nothing else, uh, for that. And what happens is that it's not just a seminar. It's not just a gathering. And so what happens is that Christian elected officials at the state level, the federal level, and the local level come together. We have committees and we absolutely come out and in our committees talk about the major issues facing the, facing the country from a biblical world view. And we make recommendations. So the first model act of our organization was the Texas Heartbeat Bill that is saving thousands of babies in America. Amen. And I believe one thing, if I believe anything, And that is I don't want an elected official serving in office that doesn't have the ability to recognize we should protect an innocent human being in a mother's womb. If you haven't got good sense to know that it is wrong to tear the arms and the legs and the limbs off of a little baby and crush its skull and pull it out of a mother's womb, I don't want you making decisions about me at all. And so we invite you to come. Well, I, I want to do one thing, and then I'm going to introduce my, my brother here. And, you know, you said take your liberty. I'm just feeling like I'm at home, Pastor. So uh, I want to do something for you because Holy Ghost Ministries is our ministry. We started in 2002. And uh, I really enjoyed evangelizing, and we've led teams to Ghana, West Africa. I'm getting ready to introduce my brother here in a minute about that. And, but in 2013, I was asked to go to Israel. I had passed a resolution to honor Israel here in Arkansas, and an organization called APAC called me up, America-Israel Public Affairs Committee, and said, why did you do that? And I said, well, I believe the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, okay. et cetera, and that we're yeah, to honor that. And you know, we, Jesus was a Jew, yeah, okay? Right. And so we can't forget we're Judeo-Christian in our, in our heritage. And so they invited me to come. I went to Israel and it was just a beautiful experience. How many of you have ever been to Israel? Okay, these folks have. How many of you want to go? I think y'all I think you need to get up a big crew and go to Israel. Now I'm in trouble. See, I'm telling them things to do from up. But I'd love to be over there with you. If you if you've never been, we'd love to help you go. But I went over there and I'm trying to talk fast so I can get to my message here in a minute. But went over there and, you know, a lot of people buy, you know, key rings and cups and stuff when they go, but I went to Israel and I wanted to buy a violin. And so I began to ask around and, and I went into a shop. Uh, there just off of Jerusalem in the old city. And Lev Strinkowski was the, the, the luthier that had the shop. And it was a Friday, it was just before Sabbath, so we were hurrying, me looking through, so that we could be finished before Sabbath started, Shabbat. And so we were in the shop, and here's this little redneck boy from Maynard, Arkansas. <laughs> and I'm playing bluegrass tunes like I played for you and playing hymns and things. And Lev is playing classical music. And we're playing, and he had beautiful violins. And so he put the violin in my hand, and I picked up to play it. And I'm going to play this, the same song for you today. And it was very interesting. Now, it's interesting, the song selection this morning... Because this is going to relate to what I'm going to play you. But what happened is that I played a song and Lev, when I got finished playing, and he's a Jewish man. He was a Lithuanian immigrant from Russia, the Soviet Union, to Israel to flee the persecution where he was at. And I played this song and I got done and he said, Your, your song is so sad. The melodies, that, that makes that, there's a feeling of sadness. I said, well, Lev, don't you know this song? I said, what do you mean? I mean, don't you recognize what I just played for you? Now, I'm in Israel, and when we think of Israel, the holy city, we think of Jesus dying on the cross, all of that. If you just think that they all know everything that we do, we see there's only 3% of the people in Israel that are practicing Christians. Very few people that are practicing Christians. And so I played this song. You're going to recognize it, obviously, but I wanted to play it for you because it emphasized how shocking it was when I didn't, uh, when Lev didn't know this. that song, and I'm going to switch back here a minute, if you can switch it with me there you go um, I played that song, and Lev didn't recognize the song, and and it was interesting to me, because he had said that it, that it made him sad and see, now all of you, you recognize that, but Lev didn't, but but, but but Lev responded to it there was a response from Lev Strinkowski, and the response was, he used words, the only words that he knew how to describe it And he said it made him feel sad. But what he actually was trying to find a word for is that he felt conviction. He felt the anointing of God in that song. That's what he he was feeling. And I'm here today to tell you in just a moment after I introduce Chris and have him say a few words to you, I'm going to preach the word of God. And I want you to know that when I got here last night and I drove into Lake Village, I drove here and I drove right to this church before I went to see your pastor. And when I saw the city limits sign, a Christian and I began to pray. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every devil in hell that's come against Lake Village, Arkansas. And I've taken authority over every principality and power in the name of Jesus that's come against this county and this state and these people in the name of Jesus. I drove to your church and I drove around this parking lot and I took authority because I'm going to tell you something, I'm serving Jesus. And you know what happens? Where Jesus went, there was either a riot or a revival. And I found out I'm experiencing that sometimes. And I believe in coming in here and making a difference. Because there is a spiritual warfare coming against this country that wants to take all of you out and everything of God out. And you have got to know who you are. And you've got to stand. And you've got to take authority. And so, as I get ready to introduce Chris, I will just tell you this stone, by the way. I picked this stone up when I was in Jerusalem. This is a stone from Jerusalem. And I carry it in my pocket every day. It reminds me to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Reminds me, and since I do speak about Israel on on many occasions, it's very easy to make an illustration with it. And I want to tell you something, one little snippet on that, is that you don't find the United States of America mentioned in the last days. Do you? It's not there. But Israel is. Jerusalem is. And You have any politicians that won't stand for Israel, you better run the other way and find you another one that will. Because the only hope for us is to stay in, in allegiance with them. Before I got into politics, before I did anything, I was preaching, and I was leading teams to Ghana, West Africa, in addition to that. I led eight teams there. I first went there in 2004, and I took teams every year. We did water well projects. We did malaria net distributions. We helped build church tabernacles. We preached the gospel. And the last time I was there, we talked about this last night, we baptized 70 Muslims into the Lord Jesus Christ in northern Ghana. Amen. In a pond. This is not a joke. I was telling him that we went out there, and, and I noticed as we were getting ready to baptize the deacon. Who are you, you got any deacons in the church? Right there, Where are you at? Okay. Deacon, deacon went out into the church Excuse me, went out into the water, you know, and I'm standing there and I'm noticing this and the deacon goes out and he's just walking around waving his arms around in the water like this. And I said, Pastor, what is he doing? He said, oh, he's checking for crocodiles. (laughs) And I said... And it took me about 45 seconds to get this figured out, you know. And I said, well, excuse me. I got all these folks from America on my team getting ready to help baptize these people. And it's going to take a while to baptize 70 of them. And I said, you know, do you not think maybe it's probably, a, probably not a good idea that we get in there? He said, oh, the Holy Spirit will keep them away. And I said, okay. So, buddy, we dunked them people and we got them out of there quick. <laughs> But, but while we were there, I actually, if you've never been to, to Africa or any mission area, uh, it, it, I encourage you to go if you get an opportunity. Because today, it so happens, one of my dear friends, in fact, we both share the same local name. They gave me a local name while I was there. Everybody in Ghana knows the day, the actual day of the week that they were born. And so if you're born on Friday, you're Kofi. Uh, if you remember Kofi Annan of the United Nations, well, that was his, his name Friday. So everybody has a name, but in their name somewhere is Kofi, and mine is Monday, Kojo. And so my brother Christian is also Kojo. He's Monday born. But brother Chris, uh, I met him the very first trip. We've preached in the bush in Africa. We've seen, obviously, people healed, people delivered. And Christian, I've just seen him grow. He is... Um, come up through the ranks of the Southern Ghana Bible College that was planted by the Assembly of God in Ghana. Uh, He became a pastor. He was elevated to a district pastor for the Assemblies of God and a regional superintendent there in Ghana. And it so happens that Brother Christian is in August standing. He has been asked to lead and stand for the general superintendent of the entire nation Of Ghana in the Assembly of God, and by the way, Ghana has 5,000 Assembly of God churches and over 800,000 members in the nation of Ghana. It's my great honor to give him a few moments here to introduce to you my dear friend, my brother in the Lord, Christian Essendo from Ghana, West Africa.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason, for bringing me along uh, to a family and a home that I dearly love. Thank you, Pastor Marty. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to have fellowship with your pastor, and I had no doubt this is a real man of God. Shall we put our hands together for the pastor? Anyway, I bring you greetings from Ghana, and uh, from my wife, Vivian. Vivian is, uh, she came along with me, but uh, she's visiting her sister at uh, Columbus in Ohio. And so she says I should give you her greetings to, uh, he rightly said that I'm coming from Ghana and uh, the Lord has been so good to us in Ghana. The spirit of God is moving and the churches are growing and we're indeed having a good time. But sitting down with your pastor and listening to him yesterday, I realized that this church is a blessed church. It's a blessed church. If any one of you, is going to pay attention to what he's been sharing with you. I know your life will not be the same. Because the only thing that the Lord needs to create and to change and to transform is his word. That's all. Without his word, nothing was made, nothing was created that was created. And as I listen to your pastor, he's a man that stands upon the word of God. And that gives me the hope that this church has a future because it already has the foundation. Once you have a strong foundation, then you can build on. So my encouragement to all of you is please pay attention. To this man. Pay attention to the word that he presents to you. Your miracle, your breakthrough, your transformation, your renewal, your peace, your joy, everything will depend on this one. And I want to encourage you that as you come in here, open your heart. Just be receptive to the word that comes forth from this pulpit. And I know you'll never leave this place the same way you came in. And you'll go blessed and give glory to God. Maybe I may not meet you again, but look at me carefully. The next time you meet in heaven, you'll recognize me You say, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Chris. Thank
1: you, Brother Chris. Carter, uh, if you're ready, I'm to, transition, to uh, get ready for the message, uh, since we, we've talked a little bit about the pro-life issue, uh, some of you that have followed very closely know that here in Arkansas, starting with the heartbeat bill, it was the first bill of its kind to pass in the United States, now 14 different states, including Texas, actually passed the heartbeat bill, but they added what is called the civil cause of action. Does anybody recognize this discussion and debate that's in here? Anybody? There's just a couple heads shaking. What it means is in Arkansas, see, last year in 2021, I carried a bill. We had had a trigger bill that says that if the United States Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade and any day we're waiting on the Mississippi Dobbs case to be released, And, and it's expected because of the intentional breach of the U.S. Supreme Court by letting out the Alito opinion that there actually may be an overturn of Roe which would be a blessing, okay? And when that happens, the bill that I passed in 2019 says, at any point that there's a decision that overturns Roe in whole or in part, immediately Arkansas bans all abortion in this state except to save the life of a mother, full stop. Now, that trigger's sitting there waiting. There are 13 states in America that has that legislation. But what we did last year is I said, look, I'm tired of waiting, So we just took the bill and took the trigger out and said we're going to ban it right now. Well, guess what happened? Some judge in Little Rock, Arkansas that works for the federal government who's appointed to that position, a federal judge, said Arkansas, doesn't matter what you think, you can't do it because the court says that you can't ban abortion. So she put an injunction on it to stop all of us from saving babies. And they've done that for nearly 50 years all over America. They see the states in this country banned abortion previously. And then in 1973, that decision was made and it struck down all of these laws across the country. Well, what happened is that my friend, Senator Brian Hughes, that's an NACL member, came to our meeting, he found out about the heartbeat bill. And he went back to Texas and ran it, but then, as God does, they they thought, wait, wait. Instead of the state enforcing the law, we're going to take the state out of it and let Texans sue each other if they violate the law. That's called civil cause of action. Now you get it. So rather than the state enforcing it, uh, maybe this gentleman said, this guy helped a lady get an abortion. I'm suing him. He violated the law. Well, that gets into their pocketbook. It's called civil cause of action. And guess what happened? It went all the way to the United States Supreme Court and they said, we can't stop them. Didn't y'all hear this in the news a little bit? We can't stop them. And suddenly, the same heartbeat bill that we had in 2013 is saving thousands of lives in Texas. So I went and sat down with your governor, Governor Asa Hutchinson. I'm going to tell you something right now. You better have your steel toe boots on because they've done so much to me. I don't care what any of them say anymore. I'm going to tell you the truth even if the hair lips the king of England in here. And I sat down with Governor Asa Hutchinson and I'm going to tell you something. I've, I've, liked, I've, I've liked Asa. I've helped him, but he's changed on me. Get up and say he's pro-life and I sat down with him and I said, Governor, I'm so excited. You've heard what happened in Texas. Guess what? We can make this thing go into force right now. Well, Jason, I think we need to wait on that. Make it's a little too soon. We better wait on the Supreme Court. I said, "What? You mean we got a tool in our hand that we know is going to save babies, and you want to wait? Come on. Well, yeah, we need to wait." So we had a debate, and you're going to see a clip of a video that was put together by somebody third party that talked about what happened in our state, and they were so aff- they they I mean, it was like they flipped. You know, what's interesting people tell you to force something when there's no skin in the game. And then when we had an opportunity to actually make it happen, they said, well, and you know what? They knew that if I got that bill introduced, they were going to have a problem. And so they got up and Senator Jimmy Hickey of Texarkana forced an adjournment of the Arkansas legislature just so they couldn't hear this bill. And so I'm telling you all that you have got people that serve in office that come out here and tell you they're pro-life, but they're not voting that way on the floor. And you need to know about it. And you need to be aware of it. So Carter, roll the tape, and then I'll have comments after that. not at Christmas, when we go celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ as our Savior who gave his life so that all of us could be saved, would we not take a couple days to save the lives of unborn babies?
4: You hear the Democrats and Biden talk about how they have compassion and empathy for everyone, except for the very most vulnerable people in our society, the unborn children.
2: the special
0: session, uh, one issue you didn't mention on the call is abortion. There's been uh, talk about a push for a Texas-style abortion ban. Am I correct that that's not going to be on the call? That will not be on the call. Uh, Any additional action should await guidance uh, from the Supreme Court.
3: We have an opportunity to take action.
4: I make a motion to extend this session for the purpose of considering legislation to create the Arkansas Human Heartbeat and Human Life Civil Justice Act to regulate abortion in Arkansas, to save the lives of unborn children and protect the health of women.
0: We're going to take a vote here to decide to go home and not take up further legislation. State
1: the nature of your motion. Okay. Having concluded the uh, business of the governor's call, I move to adjourn the second extraordinary session of the 93rd General Assembly.
0: The reason that they're trying to do this is they're afraid that the resolution will get a two-thirds vote. Why would the resolution get a two-thirds vote? Because your constituents want us to vote for this. Because in Texas, babies' lives are being saved today and have been for 90 days.
1: The state of Texas, they now say they've estimated over 3,000 babies have been saved in just over 90 days in the state of Texas.
4: Since new legislation severely restricting abortions in Texas went into effect, Planned Parenthoods in bordering states are seeing a surge in patients coming from the Lone Star State.
0: Go stand outside at that abortion clinic in Little Rock. Look at the tags, Texas plate, Texas plate, Texas plate, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, 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 They're coming here to kill those babies. Look, I want to go home.
4: No one wants to go home today more than I do. Today's my mother's 90th birthday, and people all over the country are flying in for my pops memorial service on Saturday. But you know what? It's not about me, and it's not about you, it's not about your schedule, and it's not about my schedule. We have an opportunity to do a very simple technical correction to a bill that we already passed, Act 309, that's been enjoined by a federal judge. Texas came up with a way to get around that through civil liability. It's a simple technical correction. There's never the wrong time to do the right thing, and we can save children's lives here in
2: Arkansas.
0: The Senate has adjourned, it goes to the point that there's really no more business uh, to conduct.
1: I don't find any of this to be transparent. The second provision of the Arkansas Republican platform says that we honor the sanctity of life. First is faith in Almighty God. And all I'm asking you to do is what we've done every step of the way now for 10 years. When we see a tool that can save lives, we stand and use that tool. It's a powerful video it's an upsetting video but it's a powerful video it's so powerful that soon after that video was made by third parties some of you may have recognized some of the people in that video Sarah Dunklin is the chairman of the first congressional district of the GOP how many of you know the Dunklin's okay Sarah Dunklin, she got a call from an executive at the GOP and said, you better take that video down or resign. Scared them so bad. And see, the GOP platform in Arkansas says you're going to protect the sanctity of life. So excuse me, why are they calling up somebody that just said we need to honor the sanctity of life and going to get rid of them and going to protect the ones that didn't do it? That's because they're hypocrites. Amen? There's something free about not actually just worrying. I mean, you know, I, I can say anything I want to say now. And it needs to be said, it needs to be a voice crying out. And you need to be keyed into what's going on. Let me give my message. Y'all ready for the message? How many of you give me an extra five minutes or two here today? How many of you do that for there's five, 10, 15? I got 30, 40 minutes right there, Pastor, just extra hands. I'm going to preach, and I'm going to get through this. If you will, go with me to Ezekiel chapter 2. If you're into titles, the title of the message, and I'm going to hit it pretty hard and quick, so you'll have to get a tape. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 2, the title of the message, Save the Nation. Every day at 1 o'clock on Salem Media out of Little Rock, Arkansas, about a million people on that radio footprint, I host Save the Nation every day at 1 o'clock right between Charlie Kirk and Sean Hannity. Now, some of you go, well, I can't get the radio, 101.1 FM. I can't get that out of Little Rock. Well, you can go on to Facebook at Jason Rapert for Arkansas, and we live stream it. And if you know who Andrew Womack is, does anybody know Andrew Womack and his teaching? Well, I'm on Gospel Truth TV now with that same program, every day, 1.30 Mountain Time, 2.30 Central. and We have people from all over the country we speak, speak to. So the title of this message is Save the Nation, Firewalkers. And I'm going to try to get this done. Y'all ready with me? Ezekiel chapter 2. If you want to know my real heart and you want to know what drives me and what makes me do what I do, this passage captures a lot of what my heart is and my feeling about what's going on in my country. It says in verse 1, And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and he set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me and he said to me, Son of man, Marty Tackett. I'm sending you to the children of Israel, to Lake Village, Arkansas, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. And their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I'm sending you to them, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, as for them, whether they Hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you and dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house." You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. I'll go down in chapter 3. I'm going to skip ahead to the team back there. Verse 10. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears and go get to the captives, to the children of your people, and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Skipping on down to verse 16. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I've made you a watchman. Say a watchman. Amen. For the house of Israel, therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me, When I say to the wicked you shall surely die and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, if you go to Lake Village, Arkansas, and you speak the truth to my people there and do warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity but you have delivered your own soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin and he does not sin he shall surely live because he took warning also you will have delivered your own soul Can you say amen? amen This is is my heart as I've traveled I was preaching this way before I ever got elected And some might say how in the world did you ever get elected I was preaching this way. I remember very distinctly, Brother Marty, I I woke one morning. I'm not preaching from Nahum this morning, but I woke one morning very early, and and the Lord just kept speaking Nahum in my own spirit. Nahum, Nahum. And I thought, who gets up thinking about Nahum? I mean, when's the last time you've ever read it? It's only three chapters. And God spoke to me very clearly that morning as I sought an answer, and He said, if your, pe- your people do not have prophets of your time speaking to them, I will use a prophet of the old to speak anew to your people. And Nahum was a warning, much like Ezekiel is a warning, that things are not right, things are wrong in the country. How many of you can be honest today and say things are not right in America today? They're not right. I mean... So, I, I, I love participation. See, if I don't see you participate, I think you didn't hear me. How many of you think things are wrong in America today? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like $4.45 gasoline. And I know that you've had to hear it in the news, but I'm going to tell you something. I'll take good old Donald Trump and those mean tweets every day, any day over this $4.45 in gasoline. Think about it. This country, in a matter of two years, it's almost like it's a complete different country. The division, the strife, what's going on. And so I've been preaching this way for a long time. And I will tell you, today and here right now, how many of you here now you are a public servant in any way? The law enforcement officers we've recognized. But how many of you in here are, are serving either on a school board level or a city council? or a county quorum court. Is there anybody serving in that way? What's your position, sir? JP, JP, just thank you. Justice of the Peace, your position? Election Commissioner, anybody else? Back here? Justice of the Peace here in Chico County? Thank God. Both of you. That's wonderful. Well, the NACL, by the way, we've got justices of the peace they are members of the NACL because you're an elected person you see and so you can be there and so we we have a, we have issues in our nation and what's going how many of you have been concerned about what you see being taught in some of the schools I'm concerned about that and we see these things happening but yet the church is not taking authority like we should in many realms And we should be. Can you say amen? Amen. And so some people will, will say, and I will do this by way of reference here. Some people say, well, you know what? Why are you even talking and preaching and talking about politics here in church? You shouldn't say anything about politics. Well, I got news for you. There's 66 books in the Bible, and you cannot find me one that was not either written by a politician, about a politician, or to a politician. Who do you think Moses was? Moses went into Pharaoh to talk to the politician on behalf of his people. He said, let my people go. And if you don't, these judgments are going to come on you. And don't you think for a minute that those judgments aren't falling on America right now. Genesis chapter 6, poor old Noah. God speaks to him said, Noah, I'm done. And by the way, isn't it it interesting? We don't get six chapters into Genesis in the first book of the Bible and God says, I'm going to kill all of them. Think about it. 66 books and we can't get six chapters in. He goes, I'm checking out. We're starting over. They've already screwed it up. He talked to Noah and said, Noah, build an ark. And he See, there's a scripture. I'm having to throw this in because I'm not going to keep you all day. But see, i got a burden. And I'm telling you, if you keep allowing them to do the same thing that they've been doing for the last 50 years in this country, you're going to lose this nation. You're going to lose it. You're not going to have jobs. Your kids don't have a future if they keep running this country into the ground. This is not just a sermon. This is a call for you to take action and to stand up. They'll say, Jason, they, you, know, you, you shouldn't say anything. They've they even gotten you all to be quiet, that you won't speak things. They don't want you to get up and say, look, we got a problem in Chico County. And I'm telling you, I'm tired of the arguing. I'm tired of the fighting. And I want us to get up and call on God to give us an answer to turn my county around. Now, they'll get after you on that, won't they? This isn't the place for that. Well, just where in the world is the place for it? What do you think Abraham Lincoln did when he called upon God during the Civil War? Every time that we reached a crisis... You had men, Democrats and Republicans that would call on God. And now you got one party that's kicked God out of it. Y'all okay? They say this is not... I'll tell you what. See, I was preaching, enjoying my ministry, running my business. I managed money for a living. Enjoying doing what I did. I was a bivocational minister. So I would go, and, and my business took care of my family, and I went, and, you know, when I went to Ghana, we took in thousands of dollars to do what we did. We went in with money belts with $9,500 so that we didn't reach the $10,000 mark so they could get us in trouble. And we all walked in carrying our bags, and we all had money belts on with $9,500 in them. Some people traffic drugs we were trafficking the gospel in Jesus name and we went in I've never said that before Chris see I'm, I'm getting really free now that I'm freed up here and we're doing that and, and, and they want to say that you're not a Christian nation well I was sitting there on the sofa with my small my youngest daughter I've got two beautiful daughters we've been married 32 years and my youngest is now 20. But she was about seven year old at the time. And we're sitting there, and I've got a little farm south of Toad Suck, Arkansas, if you've ever heard. Of to- I'm right on the Arkansas River, so see, I'm close to you right here. Everything that hits you hit me first. And I'm sitting there, and Olivia, we're watching, and I got on the news. And Barack Hussein Obama got elected. And we're sitting there watching the news. And he's over in the Middle East. And all of a sudden, he says, Whatever America once was, we are no longer a Christian nation. You remember that? My little girl at the time, she's beautiful now. But Olivia had them on them little thick glasses, and she looked down over those glasses. She said, Dad, could they force us to be a Muslim? And I got so mad that my little seven-year-old girl even had a thought and had to watch my president say what he did. You see, when the Mayflower Compact was signed, how many of you recognize that? The pilgrims on their way over here, they hadn't even got here yet, and they said, you know what? We're going to form a covenant. And 41 adult males from that group signed their name to a document that basically said this. I don't have time, wish I had it. You have to watch the program, okay? Five hours a week of this if you want it. They said, look, God, you bless us and you help us and we're going to serve you. And in the document, it, it was a government document. It's considered to be the first official government document of the United States, what became the country. 1620, they're on a ship. Now, by the way, I was out here at Arkansas Post yesterday. The first European that tiptoed onto this spot was 1685, right? If I got that date right? Henry de Tonti. Right here. So you all were in the first settlement in the state of Arkansas. What would become? 1685. You all are in the area where the first seat of government of our state was Arkansas Post. The Arkansas Gazette started at the Arkansas Post. The, if you go, how many of you been out to the Arkansas Post National Memorial? How many of you in here? My goodness gracious, you need to take the church and all go out there and let them see the history. Arkansas Post, the first place, ruled by the French, ruled by the Spanish ultimately ruled by the Americans in 1803 when Thomas Jefferson bought the Louisiana Purchase. I knew that there were Civil War battles fought there. That's right. But I didn't know till I went yesterday the last Revolutionary War skirmish is recorded to have occurred right here at Arkansas Post. British partisans came up from New Orleans and they fought the Spaniards who had the fort here. It was the last official skirmish of the Revolutionary War. And here you are in Lake Village, Arkansas, sitting right on the tip of where it all started. Way before Little Rock. Right here. And that's important for you. History is important for you. So they come over here on the Mayflower. They said, God, and it's in the document, we are coming for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the Christian religion. Now, how can you say we're not a Christian nation? Declaration of Independence, 56 signers. By the way, my grandfather was actually Davis Stockton, the brother of Richard Stockton, one of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. My grandfather gave the land that Princeton University now sits on. Know your history. You want to know why I'm so hard-headed? That's probably why. Because I believe in this country. I believe in this nation. I know it's worth fighting for. And I don't want to see it destroyed. What did John Jay say? He is the first chief justice of the United States Supreme Court. John Jay said, Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers and it's the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Wow. That sounds a little bigoted maybe. That's what they tell you today. He said we should prefer Christians for our rulers. So what did the Declaration of Independence say? Y'all okay with this? Am I all right? All right. I don't want to bore you to death. Declaration of Independence. They're they're, They're pulling off of the history of the pilgrims. They dedicated this thing. And here they are. They came over here. They they moved their families to this new land. And then King George is not treating them right. And they said, wait a minute. If you don't treat us right, we're going to rebel. And they went through many years of that. And then finally in 1776, July the 4th, 56 of those men in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, put their hand to a document. That said, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights of which are life, say life, liberty, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, look, uh, I'm not a rocket scientist. But they chose their words carefully and they said this to you. Please hear me. The reason America Can exist. And the reason we have a right to be independent is because God gave us rights that no man created and no man can take away. And King George, you can't either. So when it all was on the line, they could have quoted all kinds of stuff. They could have quoted their resolutions and they could have quoted the law in place. But no, they quoted and said, we are endowed by our creator, God, and that's why we have a right to exist. They even named God four times in the Declaration of Independence. They called him divine providence, the supreme judge of the world, and nature's God. And now you live in a nation where even the scientists won't even recognize nature. You with me? I mean, they're sending little Johnny to school and next week they're sending him home as Bonnie. Okay, it's not a joke. So you live in a point now where they're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Amen? Y'all okay? So we're not a Christian nation, but yet the pilgrims said we are. The Declaration of Independence declared we can be independent because we are people of God. And they have the audacity to now try to rip all that history away from you. July the 4th is coming up. I ain't got time today. You have to go watch one of my reruns on the program out there. But we are full. In fact, I brought this today. I was going to refer to it. I'm not because of time. This is a book called The Christian Life and Character of the Civil Institutions of the United States. You ought to get it a big book. They call it the magnum opus of Christian heritage. Anybody know David Barton in here with wall builders? David Barton? One of the best Christian historians. His son Tim is on our board. This man, Benjamin Morris, was the David Barton of his time. He got concerned that the country wasn't going to survive. So in 1854, he started writing and recording every single instance of a Christian heritage in America, in our colonies, and in our states, and he put it in this book. It was finished during the Civil War. He was afraid we weren't going to make it. And if it had not been for God, America would not have made it. My point to you is that we are a Christian nation no matter what these knuckleheads tell you out there. Amen? So, where are we at? Current events in our nation. What do we do? I'm trying to wrap this up quickly. Y'all okay? This is why I'm an evangelist. See, you you know, you just come in here and I just preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. But I'm not going to keep you all day. But I am going to leave you with a charge here. We have right now, the worst deaths from opioid overdoses in the history of our country. These men probably carry Narcan in your vehicles, don't you? I'm happy to have carried a bill which helped make sure that you carry that in your vehicles. There have been hundreds of people in in Arkansas saved because these men, and I don't know if they've done it individually, but I know law enforcement has come upon people that are obviously near death they don't know what's going on and they administer the Narcan to bring them out of this death spiral that they're in in their bodies to bring them out fentanyl is the worst that I'm aware of they may know some more but fentanyl is the worst and it's so bad that if they get it on them they have danger of immediately seizing their bodies as well the number one cause of death number one not heart attacks not cancer Not automobile accidents. The number one cause of death between 18 and 45-year-old people in America is opioid overdoses. What? Yet, they're intellectual. And they have it all figured out for you now. And they figured it out well enough that everybody's overdosing and killing themselves. Largest number of suicides amongst teens in the history of our country is happening right now. So their answer, brother and sister, is that, well, transgender people commit suicide at the rates that they do, and that's why we need to just, just, just help them be transgender. No, they're killing themselves because they're tormented in their mind. They don't know who they are, and you're not helping them. That's what's the matter. That's what's the matter. During the last presidential election, Joe Biden stood up there. He actually finished the sentence. It's supposed to be a joke. But he had a little moniker on the front. It said, Battle for the Soul of the Nation on the Democrat lectern. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know I'm down here and I don't know all of you folks. You may be, some of you, Democrats. And some of you may be I don't care. But I'm going to tell you something. As far as I know in here, you're saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't go down to the cult church because you know the cult church is not right with God, don't you? Well, I want to know why some of you is in there trying to do CPR and pumping up a Democrat party who absolutely is for abortion, killing babies, absolutely is against the Word of God in Romans chapter 1. You hear me? Now I know it makes it. You can get mad at me. Don't get mad at Pastor. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says, "Don't be unequally yoked together." You can't come under here on Sunday and sing these beautiful worship songs and cry and say you love Jesus, and then go out there and support a party that is standing up and killing over sixty-three million little babies in America. You can't do it. And, and, and if you are in here and you're a Democrat, by the way, my whole family was Democrat. And my 90-year-old grandpa said, son, the party's left me. And he got out. And I'm telling you, just like, it's just, you know, some of it's so strong. Is it okay if I preach? Some of it's so strong. It's like Jesus standing there at the tomb of Lazarus saying, come out. And I'm telling you, there's a bunch of you stuck in the Democrat Party that is absolutely upstanding all of the ungodliness you're enduring. And I'm telling you, come out of it in the name of Jesus and stop it. I'm feeling very free here today. Woo, good gravy. I wish it was on Channel 4 in Little Rock this morning. My goodness, I'll tell you, you better watch out. I'm feeling my oats. I mean, I haven't felt this free in a long time. I'm excited about it. I'm telling you, stop giving money and giving time to people that are running the country. The other night, this week, we're in a war. They tr- it truly is a battle for the soul of the nation, but they're fighting on the wrong side. They are. For the first time in my life, they put on primetime television that kangaroo court called a committee at the House of Representatives. And people that want to demonize the other party took three, took an hour, or maybe two even, of primetime television, stopped everything to make sure to push that on all of you with nobody to tell them different. And you do know that they edited some of the testimony. They're already getting in trouble for that because they tried to make people say things they didn't say. They're getting in trouble for that. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been over there in West Africa, but Chris and I have talked about some of these countries. Let me tell you something. Third world countries do what they did here this week. They'll march their opponents up there and try to demonize them and put them in jail because they don't agree with them. And I'm going to tell you, I'm looking at these law enforcement officers. I remember what happened a couple years ago. They started attacking our law enforcement officers. And it wasn't Christians at the Assembly of God or the Baptist Church that was targeting them, sister. It was Democrats and Antifa. Boy, I tell you, I'm feeling more, it's just like I'm just like a big old, I tell you what, I may be coming into a whole new ministry right here in Lake Village, Arkansas. I just love it, man, just tell it. They destroyed billions of dollars of property in America. Billions. Targeted officers. Night after night, there was a siege in Oregon. You men know it. Everett, what do you mean you're standing there letting them continue to try to burn down a federal building night after night after night after night after night? And then people up there on January the 6th, they didn't even take a gun with them. That's the record. They didn't have any guns with them. Now, did some of them go over the line? You better believe they did. They got whipped up. They went in where they shouldn't go. They shouldn't do that. But I'll tell you what. They didn't do anything compared to what happened to burning all these cities. And where is the outcry for them? And then after we watch the show, ABC News puts on a one-hour LGBTQ special for America. And guess what they had on it? Soul of a nation. And they went in and they got them a pastor And they had a little segment in the show where the pastor sat there and he's he's accepting and he's embracing what Romans 1 says is sin and you better run from. You see, it's not good enough to tell you they don't like what you do and what you believe. Now they want to seize what you believe and make you feel that you're not a good Christian if you don't accept sin in your life. Hear me? How many of you believe you got to hold a standard? I believe we have to hold a standard. I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick because it's 10 after. Y'all okay? You may not hear another sermon sermon like this ever again. I'd imagine he gets close. But see, he's got to come back. I just get to come in blow up and get out of town. But I'm telling you, we need more preaching like this. You see... It's not the politician's fault the way America is. It's the pulpit's fault. Because, see, we're a nation that says we're a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That means if you don't like what you got in Washington or Little Rock, it's your fault. You don't like it? You hired them. You can fire them. But you know the sad reality? is that in Arkansas, during the last presidential election, we had the lowest voter turnout of any cotton-picking state in America. And do you know what the worst thing is? Is that we have many, many Christians that don't vote. So, Benjamin Rush, one of America's founding fathers, said every citizen of a republic must watch for the state as if its liberties depended upon his vigilance alone. The most basic democratic participation of citizenry is voting. When we vote, we help determine who will lead the nation, make the laws, protect our liberties. Unfortunately, the church and people of faith often vote at an alarmingly low rate. When people of faith fail to vote, is it any wonder that policies are enacted that are contrary to our core values? Not participating in the civic and political arenas not only violates historical precedent, but ignores what America's leaders have always taught. Billy Graham. I love Billy. He said, if America is to survive, we must elect more God-centered men and women to public office. Individuals who will seek divine guidance in the affairs of state. Amen? Yeah. Listen to this. This will get you. Charles Finney. The time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics. God cannot sustain this free and blessed country which we love and pray for unless the church will take right ground. It seems sometimes as if the foundations of the nation are becoming rotten. And Christians seem to act as if they think God does not see what they do in politics. So when you come in here like I said and pretend that you are hovering in here on a cloud with the angels when you got here and then you hover into the, to the voting booth and you get ready and you go down there and vote for them people that are killing little babies and standing up sin and Sodom and Gomorrah like it's a goal to be achieved rather than a sin to be shunned. You are not who you say you are. And do you not think that the American people, now look, I know I'm preaching to the folks outside. But you need to start preaching too. See, the devil, he not he's not scared of you because you don't go out there and put Holy Ghost-filled people in office. Okay? Angels don't vote, people do. And as long as you don't get out there and take authority like God told you to do, then he's not scared of you. James Robinson, you know, James? He was on my program. He said the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say earth. Heaven. There's a difference between earth and heaven. So Jesus said when you pray, pray this way. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And James Robinson said, we have totally missed it. You see, because I was right, and and I've said these phrases, but we've got to watch what we say because people take it the wrong way. I'm not of this world. I'm just in this world. I'm only passing through. And praise God, I got saved, and I put on a white robe and sat down and wrought a hole in a pew for the next 40 years just waiting on it all to come. What more is there? Oh, I'm not going down there and running for the school board. I'm not going down there and running for the city council. I'm just in this world. I'm not of this world. I'm not gonna dirty myself in that politics So they're putting in the little strip joints for you down the road. They're legalizing marijuana for you down the road. They're putting out alcohol ever for you down the road. And your kids are drunk. Your kids are on drugs. Their families are falling apart. And you think you're just in this world just passing through. No, you're letting the fox keep running in the hen house. And where I'm from, they shoot the fox. And save the chickens. Man, I could preach this on the side of the, the river bank down here this morning. I'll tell you what, I'm getting, I'm, I'll am i be honest with you. I think the Lord, I mean, I feel like just, just free. You see, because I was like all of you when I got into politics. I begged the Lord not to do this. Now, I, people were asking me to come in. I said, Lord, I've got this ministry what I'm doing. And you're sitting here thinking, I'm in church. I'm enjoying this. I am doing the thing that God wants me to do. And then you hear some preacher come in here that's serving in the Senate. And now you're all fired up. You kind of feel a little convicted. You might do a little bit more. And you're wondering, maybe I don't need to get out there. This is pretty rough. And if I just knew when you were coming, Jesus, I could make a decision on what I do. And I literally prayed and I asked God. And God said... So clearly, Jason, why are you not sacrificing to serve at home at the same level you've been sacrificing to serve overseas when your country's in trouble? I resigned from Merrill Lynch, walked away managing millions of dollars, started a new business, and ran and became the first Republican since the Civil War to win my district in 2010. And then when I passed the heartbeat bill, and they told me that it was the strongest bill passed since Roe v. Wade, that's when Rachel Maddow did a hit piece on me on her show in New York City. And that's when I got introduced to the state police. Threats began to come in that I never had ever dreamed of. Threatened to rape my daughters, rape my wife, kill me, burn the house, erase my name from everything that it had ever been. Why? Because I said I want to save babies. It's that old demon of Moloch. I, I, you know, I, I, I can take people saying bad things, and they finally said, because I couldn't even reveal them, but they finally said they, there was a wanted poster. This is what prompted my state police discussion is that they, a third party turned it in said, it was a wanted poster that was put into the Occupy Wall Street groups that was the precursor to Antifa, by the way. They said, somebody needs to go shoot this expletive. And sister, they said, Jason, you you uh, probably should have your family leave at least for a few days to we can figure this out, make sure they're these are credible or not, what's going on, have them leave. And that's when you realize it's not just the state senate anymore. And 35 of us in the senate and 34 of them don't have never had that happen. So nobody knew what to do for me or what to tell me. Call up, leave messages, begin to do things. Like you, I, I'm ashamed for you to go Google my name on the internet and look at everything they've said about me and accuse me of. And they tell me, because I'm a public figure, I can't take it down. I can't make them take it down. How's that fair? How's that fair? Finally, one day, my wife and I in the, in the kitchen. All this is going on, and I'm going to tell you something. You know your wife didn't sign up for all coming at you. And this is why at the NACL, We make sure that we have the spouses with the people there because we're building men and women that can't be destroyed. And I finally realized, and this is so, and I'm going to give this to you. I want to release this anointing to you here, and that is that you put your trust in God, and don't you ever fear what any man can do to you. That's Psalm 56:11. By the way, I put my trust in God. What can any man, anybody, do to me? And I told my wife, I said, they've called us everything, honey. They've accused us of everything. They've they've slandered my name. They've attacked our business. They've attacked our ministry. Everything I've got, they've slandered. And tell me, there's nothing I can do. I said, but look, we're still standing. We're still here. And it's liberating, brother. Because now you know what they do. And now you can move on because you don't have any fear of them, and that 's what 's got to happen in America is we need people like you that will get up and not be afraid. I am closing, forcing myself to Daniel three I would have gone into daniel three that 's the firewalker's part of the message. you see in this country, just like King Nebuchadnezzar stood up that ninety foot tall god, and I love it every time some some just I'm just trying to find a good word here. Don't you talk about politics and church. The first thing in Daniel chapter 3 says, and he called for all the administrators and the sheriffs and the judges. It's a cut names off everybody in politics. And I said, read that right there. And I said, now shut up. Everything in there. Called them all together and so said, You bow down and what they're doing to your kids and your children right now. You bow down to this God to abortion. You bow down to this LGBTQ God, or we might fire you. Hear me? This, this guy right here knows what I'm talking about. You got to watch what you say down there in the open. They even want them signing. I've got people that call me up, send me messages, say, Senator, they're making me want to sign something. I don't believe what this thing says. And if they don't sign it, then they out themselves that they don't agree with it. And the next thing I just said out loud, I want the state of Arkansas to quit funding every single position that uses state money to teach CRT and the LGBTQ agenda in our schools and our universities and our colleges. All of it just stop it. Stop it. But they had 3 men that wouldn't 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 bend. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'll guarantee you, them boys never thought their names would make it. But here we are talking about them. They made it in the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach. And you know, when you read it, if I had time to teach it, isn't it amazing? They name their names every few moments. They call out. You know why? It's because God wanted you to know their names. He wanted you to know there's just three of them. Because, see, right now we got a chance to save America. If we are part of 330 million people and me and Marty Tackett and this old boy here are the only three left that will speak the truth, you all would probably say, y'all just take off and do what you want, but we're going to bow down. We'd rather live and bow down a little bit than we would be dead. And that's what's happening in America. Now, for the first time in American history, since they've recorded it, we've got less people that say they go to church on a Sunday than ever before, 47%. Brother Marty, you are living in a nation that is struggling to survive. They've used racism to try to tear us apart. I'm going to tell you something. I serve a God, and He loves every person, every color of their skin, every tint of their face. He loves them red, yellow, black, and white. And you are not my brother in Christ if you feel differently about that. You're not. He loves every one of us. Every single one of us. Every one of us. God took me to Ghana, West Africa, to let me spend a few years there so that I realized what it's like to be the only one who don't know what's going on. I'd go through town, and the little kids would run down the street going, Oh, Bruni, oh, Bruni, oh, Bruni. White man, white man, white man. Little old kid about two years old, he had never seen a white man in his life. I was in the village for feeding. That little boy, bless his heart, he was so scared to death. He was crying, crawling up his mama to get away from me because of the way I looked. God loves all of us. And you see, in this country, just like the Republican Party stood up good old Abe Lincoln, and they said, we're going to end slavery. We need to abolish abortion in America just like we abolish slavery in America because it's all about humanity. I said I'm going to close, and I am. I got so much more I could give you. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, I'm going to tell you. Brother Marty, I'd like your help, brother, if you can help me. Brother, can I get you to help? I'm going to have you guys help me something. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, though, says, as I get ready to end this with you today, it says, you go out and you multiply you replenish and you fill the earth and you take authority over everything. Over the birds in the air, the fish in the sea, over everything that creeps on the earth and I like to say even the creeps. Take authority over all of it. You see the church is not doing that. We've ceded it to the devil and the devil's using it. Using our airwaves, using our schools, all these things, train up a child in the way she go when he is old, he won't depart. We talked about it last night. He gets your kids for two hours. the 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 state gets them for eight hours a day, five days a week, and you wonder why you can't get through their heads. If you can't get the schools back in America, then you need to take your kids and start your own schools. As far as I'm concerned, that's what I believe. Last illustration, and I'm gone. I hope you all have enjoyed this. This flag says a lot. Hold that corner. Hold this flag up. Now, I want to ask, and I want every one of you to participate. How many of you have ever seen this flag and you actually know what it is? All right. I see one here. I see one here, one there. I see a few. Okay. So hold it up real high. All of you saw that there was a handful of people that ever seen this flag. And this is the illustration I leave you what's so wrong in America. Because you see, and by the way, just so you feel better, every place I go, whether it's 10,000 people or 10, the same percentage of people respond. Okay? Hardly anyone knows it. But here's the truth this is the first flag that George Washington, that became your first president, ever fought under during the Revolutionary War. It's officially called the Washington cruiser flag. Now, some of my friends in churches could call it the Appeal to Heaven flag. Well, they're just using that phrase, but the official flag. You go to the Revolutionary War Museum in Philadelphia, you're going to find the flag. They sell it there. Because it's one of the original flags. And what happened is George Washington went to the Continental Congress and he said, Look, if we don't raise a Navy up, the British are going to win. We can't win. We need to raise a the Navy. They said, George, we don't have the money. I often kid the deacons. It's kind of like the deacons and the pastor. We don't have the money. What are we going to do? You can't do that, pastor. We don't have the money. And he said, we got to do this. So guess what George did? This is what his American spirit He went back with his own friends. They bought six schooners, six ships to form America's first navy. And they needed a flag because in naval battle, if you don't have a flag and all the smoke, you're liable to shoot your own ship. They put that white flag. They put that pine tree of liberty, which is a whole, I could go an hour on all that. And then they put this phrase from John Locke, who was a political philosopher. And he said, when you've exhausted all appeals to a king, to a parliament, or to an official government body on earth, you have nothing further left but an appeal to heaven. This was preached from pulpits. If it hadn't been for the preachers, you wouldn't have had the American Revolution. And guess what? If it's not for preachers, you're not going to save America either. Because the devil has got the bully pulpit right now. And we need to take it back. We need to turn it around. And my God is a God of turning it around. I kind of think it good that old David took that sling out and put that rock in it and hit Goliath right between the eyes and took him down. And I got my rock from Jerusalem too, baby. And you need to get something in your life to say that you're going to stand and you're not going to let them do it anymore. Speak to the mountains in this country. And I'm here today to tell you, as I close my final word on it, to tell you this. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm preaching a, a, a salvation message. And some of you, I'm assuming most of you here know. How many of you know the Lord? Raise your hands. You know the Lord. You're saved, you're sanctified. Jesus' name, praise God. See, this is a message of meat. But I'm telling you right now, just like this country started with an appeal to heaven. Oh, and by the way, this flag, it's one of two. 2015, I had a resolution to honor George Washington. I passed in the Arkansas Senate. You know, there's something about let it be said, let it be written. I wanted to make sure we wrote it. And we passed a resolution honoring George. And I put this entire official story in your Arkansas lexicon of resolutions. I called the Secretary of State and I said, You know, they lower the Arkansas flag and raise special flags on special days. Would you raise the Washington Cruiser flag for George's birthday? And he said, I think we will. And we raised these two flags over the state capitol. We had people drive from Georgia, and they said that they, according to what they know, it was the first time that officially these flags had officially been raised over a state capitol since the Revolutionary Era. What about that? That flag has been with me in the halls of Congress. The flag's had thousands of people touching hold of it, praying for the country. You know, Paul had a handkerchief and Devil's Fleet. I got a flag, praise God. There ain't, no, ain't nothing wrong with that. Amen. Nothing magical about the flag, but it's the symbol. And I will tell you today, Lake Village, Arkansas, hear me. And if anybody sees this message anywhere, just like this nation had an appeal to heaven to start it, we need a modern-day appeal to heaven to save our nation today. Can you say amen? amen. Give God a big hand and stand to your feet. <laughs> Brother, I... I, I took that extra liberty that these folks gave me. And, and I appreciate that. Everybody's still alive. See, I didn't hurt you. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to turn it back to pastors since we have gone a little bit late. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, nothing I said here even matters until you make that decision. Nothing matters. The best way to change the country is to get saved and let God change your life. And then you'll be equipped to help change the country for the better. I'm going to turn it back to Pastor, and I want to thank you for having me here today. And I want you to know this. You have got to get up and fight for what is right and to earnestly contend for the faith, as it says in Jude. And you've got to be salt and light. And that means you've got to speak, and you've got to be out into the highways and the byways making a difference if you want to save this country. God bless you. Thank you for having me.